As we head into the 2023 Christmas and New Year's season, I wanted to leave you with this very important gift. Let's go! Welcome to the Russell Westcott Podcast, helping real estate investors like you acquire the inspiration, knowledge, and skills that you need to start, grow, and scale the real estate investing portfolio of your dreams. I sure hope you're enjoying this 2023 Christmas replay series. And in the final installment, please help me welcome Mr. Jason Mattern. All right, welcome back, everybody. So first and foremost, everybody, let's listen. That is what peace and quiet sounds like. Uh, we're here with my good friend. I'm going to get right to it. So Jason Mattern, welcome. Good, good to, see. to see you. Holy moly. Tell you, if you ever get a chance to shake that hand, that's, a, that's a, <laughs> an experience you'll never, ever forget. So we're, mm. we're out on Jason's um, the ranch, I guess you would call it, the farm. I guess all intents and purposes, sure. Yeah, how, how, much, how, much, how, much yard, how much land do you have here, brother? We've got uh, just over four acres. Four so acres. We're just outside of Sherwood Park, about nine miles. So you wouldn't know where we're sitting here, but there's literally a million people on our doorstep 10 minutes that way. Yes. So pretty cool. So we're, uh, you know what, here's the cool thing is we've had some really really cool backdrops for what we've had for some of these interviews. We've been on the ocean. We've been in front of people's fireplaces. Uh, what I really been wanting to do is create an atmosphere of where people feel really comfortable. This is home. This is family. And this is where you feel most comfortable. Some of the most important things in your life is home and family. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, circling right, right back around family's number one. Yeah. You know, and this is where it all happens. Uh, we all have business lives and we all do what we do, but you know, we all get to, uh, you know, turn that tap off and come home. And, you know, at the end of the day, to me, anyhow, this is what matters. Not so much the, 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 the assets or the, the physical things, but, mm -hmm. you know, the family that, you know, love and, uh, you know, love being here, cherish being here. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, we have so many places we can go. Jay, we could probably talk to, for, for weeks. And we have. And we have <laughs> talked for, for yeah. weeks on end. Mm -hmm. uh, but what I wanted to do is, I don't think enough people know who you are yet. And I, I like to change that a little bit is I think you need to get out there a little bit, but you're a very private guy, right? At the same time, I always start off with these interviews with a little bit of uh, background and context. And maybe you can just share with everybody watching where you're from and mm -hmm. uh, what led you to this path of real estate and, and maybe what, we've, we've, uh, what you've accomplished so far. And I can fill in some of the gaps because we've been, geez, we've known each other for what? 18, 20, yeah, 15 years. scraping 20 years. And getting yeah, close to it. Yeah. So, so I'm, uh, both of us have a, 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 a history that coincides, yeah. but I'd like to know, uh, maybe share with everyone where you've, where you started with Okay. This. Well, uh, getting right back to basics, I'm from a small town farming community and that's where I grew up. And I think that's probably, uh, a lot of the values and a lot of the approach that I take on life today, you know, where it started and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, but that being said, uh, back in the, uh, you know, mid to late nineties, there wasn't a lot of opportunity in those types of town. And, you know, uh, a lot of people were moving to the major centers to capture an opportunity. And, uh, I did that. It wasn't, uh, shortly after that, uh, you know, to where I got involved in real estate. Uh, I did read, uh, there was one specific book that I read that kind of changed my mindset at a very high level of my outlook on life as far as, you know, planning for the future and money, financial related. At the end of the day, it boiled down to money, right? And, uh, you know, creating what you want from it. So 
I got my real estate license, uh, you know, shortly after that as a, as a realtor. And that I book was rich dad, poor dad. Was that it? book yeah. was rich dad, yeah. poor dad. I yeah. was know if I was allowed to say or oh, not, but the, I'm sure Robert Kiyosaki, once he, once he becomes part of this program too, we'll, we'll be okay with that. <laughs> okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Yeah. Fair enough. But it was, uh, you know, just the basic concept of that book of showing you how to acquire assets, whether that be business or real estate. And, you know, I've moved on in both of those aspects with mm-hmm. business and real estate and, uh, uh, you know, I guess, uh, fast forwarding today, that's kind of evolved around my three core values of, you know, uh, time, family, freedom, and elaborating on those time. Uh, you know, one thing my dad has always told me, you know, time waits for an old man and damn few women, <laughs> right? And just looking at it, it's the one commodity in life that we never get more of, right? And you never know when your clock's done and it, and it happens that quick. And the other two, family and freedom, is the the businesses and the the real estate, you know, create the freedom that I need to spend with my family as I wish, mm-hmm. and it's it's that simple, right? Yeah. Now we, so you you've obviously you've built a portfolio of properties yourself. You've I I like to consider you you're not just a realtor. Some people say, well, he's a, he's a realtor. Not Jay's actually so much more. You actually know a lot more about real estate than I do, and probably will ever do. You've you've done. You know, you've built properties, you've developed, you've, you know, built multifamily, you've condo converted, you've done, you, I would call it almost the cycle. You've almost done all kinds of different, uh, all the different realms of real estate. So you're a very modest guy and, and sharing that. So maybe just share a little bit of your background about how much, you know, type of real estate that you've done. And we don't have to share the exact numbers, if, if okay. you will, but, but just how much you've done and how many real estate investors you've helped out along the way. Okay. Uh, fair enough. That's, you know, I guess just back it up and, and being a realtor, I didn't know where to start. And mm-hmm. a lot of the things that I've done, I guess, throughout the course of my career in real estate has been a lot of trial and error. You see people doing things, you investigate them, they look like a profitable venture and not everything I've done has been profitable. I mean, mm-hmm. I've, I've learned from the school of hard knocks and, but at the end of the day, it's made me who I am today, uh, you know, from having that experience, but you know, the experience, I guess, uh, uh, you know, uh, of, you know, doing condo conversions, building new construction, you know, owning multifamily, owning suited properties, owning side by sides, just all of that has come full circle and actually created, you know, what it is today. And I'm very thankful for that because throughout like a condo conversion process, you know, it's, uh, yeah, there's a lot to learn. You know, there's the, the there's the managing of the corporation is setting it up, uh, you know, and just, I think that five mile view of, you know, looking at it, not only from a real estate, uh, uh agent view, from a, a condo manager view, from a developer view, a builder view, you just kind of see the, as I say, the five mile view of, you know, uh, maybe what works and what doesn't. And, uh, I've always chased what I'm comfortable with the, uh, you know, because, you know, any deal you get in front of you, you have to look, you have to analyze it. You know, and I didn't know this up front and, you know, anything I get into now and I'm looking at one of the first things I look at is the time commitment to it, mm. you know, and to make sure that it actually not only matches, but it's going to contribute to our lifestyle. And, you know, I guess being a real estate agent and helping a lot of investors along the way, you know, we can only go so far as recommending information. And at the end of the day, the investors, it's, it's always their choice. Yeah. It's our job to give them the information to make an informed decision. But I've seen a lot of, uh, I guess, fortunately had the ability to see a lot of 
you know, experience, not only my own, but to see that through other people, you know, and see people get caught up in a opportunity and they, you know, take the opportunity and maybe it wasn't the right thing because it didn't fit with her family or, or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. But, um, I think today looking at it, that's kind of what it's boiled down to is step number one. Yeah. And, and I, I consider you, you know, well, Hey, I consider you a, a very good friend, but I also, somebody doesn't know you as well as I do. I actually consider you much more than just a real estate agent. You're, you're actually almost an advisor in, in certain respects. You actually, cause some of the properties you've owned, just uh, own yourself, you, many of the properties you own yourself, you actually have a hand in the, the design of some of them as well. Um, and you provide a lot more of guidance and not quite to the point of coaching, but you actually provide a, a really almost a handholding experience to a lot of people just to make sure it fits with their lifestyle because you've seen a lot of round pegs and square holes over the years. Uh, yeah. And it seems to be a, a common thing. And I mean, let's face it, Russ, there's so with the day of the internet and information, even 10 years ago, it didn't fly like it does now, but mm-hmm. there's so much information out there. There's so much you know, I'll call it fuzz of everyone that, you know, having an opinion on it. And, you know, on that note, I think it's good to listen. It's always good to listen. I'm the mm-hmm. quiet guy in the corner, always listening and maybe not saying too much at, at first. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, you have to do what's best for you and your family, yeah. not only time-wise, but to ensure we're getting these real estate assets for a reason. We need to make sure we get that reason someday. Yeah. Right. And, and you, um, no, we're going to get there. One of the, one of the threads of conversation we're going to have uh, is you're probably one of the most detail-orientated person when it comes to the plan that you've put in place. And we're going to talk about the plan that you put in place. We won't share maybe the exact numbers, but you just have a, 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 such a simple and pragmatic plan and you're just working daily to just get there. But just talking more about your story and uh, sorry if this sounds like it's about me, but how did we meet, Jay? Ellis, tell me the story about how we met and what was your first, what was your first thoughts after when we first met way back when? Well, I know we were introduced through that organization, yep. through Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And, uh, you know, uh, this is going back again, yep. back to 2001 or 2002. I yeah, think. I think one of those years. Somewhere yeah. in there. And you know what? I look at it now, Russ, my first impression, uh, you were organized. You were very detailed. You asked a shitload more questions than anyone else that I'd talked to, uh, you know, but you come with an actual plan and most people aren't like that. No disrespect intended, but most people are, you know, uh, I guess just moving forward, maybe on advice or whatever, but you actually had a plan in place and you were here to accomplish it. Right. And I think, you know, now looking back, you know, we were both new, we were both getting into it. But I feel over the years, we've actually had a chance to learn together too, which is good. We've had a lot of good experiences and bad experiences financially together, mm-hmm. you know, in those same travels and it's all good. But, you know, uh, I think uh, just knowing you and your personality over the years and knowing what makes you tick, uh, I think probably right back at you, you're mm-hmm. probably one of them. I've never seen anyone hold to a plan or a detail like you do. And I know your routine is very routine. You're very regiment with it. And, you know, it's, I wish I could be more like that. I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, but uh, it's something I admire about you anyways. Yeah. 
Well, we both have made a few mistakes along the way and, and, and all those kind of wonderful things. So you, you've, you've built a portfolio of real estate. Um, you've helped out a lot of investors. What's your, I, you shared this number once of ballpark number of investor transactions you've helped with or, or been part of on, the, on that as well. Do you know, remember that number you shared with me? Yeah, I'm right around uh, 2,200 20, transactions. 200 transactions. 2,200 transactions. Uh, so, just, uh, just a couple over, I believe. Yeah. yeah. So here's what you want to say is, guys, you know, if you want somebody to write an offer for you, you want somebody who's written 2,200 offers, you know, or whatever that number is, if maybe if it's just on the, that you want somebody who's, who's an expert at the transaction, yeah. right? And not only that, you actually own properties yourself. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I, the, the two, you know, again, right from my initial plan, uh, you know, worked hand and had, uh, you know, a family and all that stuff has happened mm-hmm. after that. But yeah. when I originally, I was a, a, a single guy when I originally got into the, the business and I don't think, and Russ, you know this about me, it's, I, I call it lead with trust. I don't think you can actually stand in front of someone and recommend something and actually give an opinion unless you've done it yourself. Yep. And I think, you know, working back, a lot of the experience that I have done has made me better at, you know, maybe safeguarding some of those clients that are coming in front of us and yep. saying, ah, oh, you know what, I've done that before. Let's look at structuring the offer or condition or term this way. Yep. And here's why. Yep. Because I've lost or gained as a result of that. And, and I've learned, right? And your attitude is, is truly, and I could say this from experience, your attitude is doing what's best for the person and not what's best for getting a deal, a transaction done. You have to, yeah. you absolutely have to. And that's one thing I learned early on. And again, that's, you know, I'll, I'll thank my dad for that because I grew up in a, in an environment where my mom and dad were in small business all the time. And, uh, you know, you always do what's best for the customer. If you do what's best for the customer you know, the money always finds you as a result. And we stay true to that to this day. It's just, uh, we keep waking up every day and you know what? We get some shitty days. You wake up yeah. and you have a crummy day sometimes. And, you know, sometimes that's probably an excuse just to shut her down early and come home and spend time with your family, uh, you know, and get a good rest. And the next day it starts all over again and, and you, and you, and you do it, you know, the best you can every day. Yeah. So along the way now, the primary context of this interview series is a lot around raising capital. And we're going to go a couple different directions here. But you have uh, worked with money partners in the past. Um, and, you know, you, here's the message is you actually don't have to have a lot of money partners. The thing is you actually have to have some really good relationships with, with uh, your money partners. How many money partners have you worked with over the years? Uh, I would say six total. Six total, um, yeah. And five of those have been on, uh, you know, shorter term investments, mm-hmm. uh, whether it be, uh, I don't want to say flips, but they're flips like, you know, uh, developments or yep. condo conversions, stuff like that. And, uh, truthfully, we've got one money partner without, we've had long-term, uh, you know, for long-term holding assets. And I think if I can, it kind of boils down to the same philosophy with any business or, you know, uh, you know, asset that you're going to acquire, you have to make sure for me, anyhow, that that person has, <clears throat> pardon me, the same, you know, core values in mm-hmm. life. And that's what it boiled down to. And, uh, you know, recognizing, th- uh, of what they want and how you can help them and vice versa. And the, the two, it just becomes very easy. I've got, you know, the best. Uh, you know, a partner, I think, as far as long-term assets that anyone could have. And I only have one. Yeah. Um, I 
You don't need to. <clears throat> I don't, don't need I dozens. Don't, you don't even need dozens. You know, <laughs> I, I didn't. Yeah. Uh, and you know what, Russ? It's it's not from trying. Mm-hmm. I, I sat uh, kneecap to kneecap with probably literally dozens of people mm-hmm. and just trying to find the fit and actually got to the point of even signing documents sometimes. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, very early on, I was just like, uh, this isn't for me. You know, yeah. it just all of a sudden turned one-sided and, uh, you know, it's got to be a win-win, right? Yeah. So... So with that, primarily one, one partner right now, you, you actually have a, a portfolio between yourself and your wife and with that other front person to, to really, once that portfolio is free and clear, you're going to be able to live off of that quite comfortably, will you not? Yeah. And you had a plan and you said you, you had a, a number that you shared with me, what you were trying to accomplish right from the beginning. You mind sharing that number? No. And, and we, we've, we've stayed true to that and, uh, Backing up, I guess, just a couple steps to that is that's how this all started between the real estate and the businesses, right? I look at the real estate holdings and we've got, you know, some stocks and RSPs and stuff like that, but we all know how they perform, at least for me anyhow, right? But the real estate was the one thing that I knew and could understand and I could make sense of and I could see progression with it, right? And I was in control of it, right? And it boiled down to actually knowing how much money, uh, basically what we wanted, right, in life, right, and when we wanted it, and how much money is it going to take to accomplish that. Yep. And basically just kind of reverse engineered net money, you know, was $40,000 a month passive income. Yep. And, uh, you know, we don't have that passive income yet, uh, but we're getting awful close to where our portfolio of properties that we have, uh, you know, we're getting to the point of getting some clear titles here in the very near future, Mm -hmm. and that's you know, just going to accelerate it, but, uh, just keeping it simple on, on the flip side to that, the, you know, the cash flow side, everyone needs money to live. Right. And this is where the business and being a real estate agent come into it. I know, you know, from a household perspective, you know, uh, you know, and having fun bucks and all that sort of stuff, how much money we need to do. It's my goal to support that Mm -hmm. and my mission to support that. And also with business, it's also my mission to take excess capital and accelerate my mortgage principal reduction yep. as fast as I can. Yeah. And that's the, where I'm at today is, you know, I'm not saying we're not adding to our portfolio. I'm, I'm more fussy with deals, mm-hmm. right? But the deals are still coming. We're still acquiring a building or two a year. And, uh, but it's just, uh, uh, you know, getting to that point of getting these things paid for. Yeah. Slow and steady wins the race. I think so. Yep. Right. Uh, so guys, we're just getting, we're just getting warmed up and quite frankly, you know, uh, we're going to start off and you can definitely see these are water, right? There may, uh, as the temperature, for now. yeah, for now, as the temperature gets up and maybe the, the color of the beverage may change <laughs> a little bit as we, as we get rolling. So I'm just going to do a real quick, uh, reset of the cameras here. And then we're going to come back. I'm going to dive into what I call it. Some of you pioneered, and I've heard you talk a lot about the 15 year plan on how you potentially can get a free and clear portfolio of properties within 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny, I'm talking to a whole bunch of different people nowadays, uh, brand new investors, and everybody's all about, you know, leverage and leverage and leverage more and leverage more and buy it. I get it. I, I Trust me, I get it. But at the end of the day, we got to pay for them all. we got to have them all paid off, right? I played that game too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, and, you know we, we, we both peaked out at a lot more properties than we currently own. And uh, sometimes more is not the answer. No. Right? Just like our hairlines. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm going to just reset the cameras and we'll be right back. And 
we're back. And, and Jay, what's this in front of us? Huh? Well, you know what? <laughs> on, that, on that note, yeah, you're probably not ever going to come to my house on a day that's 30 above and not drink a beer with me. So cheers, cheers. everybody. Yeah. Yes, I do have a beer every once in a while. That's a good, good thing. stuff. That's, that's a good, good stuff. Uh, so here with my good friend, Jason Mattern. Jason, uh, you're the owner of uh, Triurban Real Estate, CEO and owner, principal owner. Um, you've invested in properties yourself. You've also, um, you know, you've, you've coined a, a little bit of kind of a strategic map for people of how somebody can potentially get, own a, pro, a portfolio of properties free and clear. And, you know, the rough numbers, it's shaking out around 15 years that mm-hmm. it's coming through and it's around with some new construction properties. But you're actually doing this yourself is kind of the way that you're doing this yourself. And you're proving this with almost like a, a live case study. So maybe just share with everyone what, uh, what your thoughts and your plans and, and what the strategy is and how, does, how would someone be able to take care of that themselves or okay. do it themselves? Okay. Well, the, the strategy is, is stupid simple. It's, you know, pay for it as fast as you can. Yeah. And I think, you know. The old-fashioned way. It's actually old, pay for it. Pay for it. Yeah. yeah. I know the leverage game. And you know what? I think there's a time for that. And, you know, we may be getting into that market situation. We will have to see what happens. There's a lot to iron out, but where you can get, uh, you know, into a market where you can see capital appreciation, you know, uh, coming, it's a good time to maybe play the leverage game. But at the end of the day, you still have to pay for these things. You don't get the cash flow from them unless you pay for them. And, you know, if you decide what that number is, we can now select a property and match it to your lifestyle and pay for this thing in roughly 15 years. Mm -hmm. The, you know, methodology or the method behind it is, is again, simple. It's, you know, uh, buy property. I never touch it. I never touch any equity from it. Uh, You don't refinance a property after you bought it. I do not refinance. I did. Yeah, (laughs) I did. You learned that lesson the hard way. I learned that lesson. Right. And, uh, you know, it's, you, you just, you know, increase your timeline, I guess that you have to pay for it. So, mm-hmm. you know, again, I don't take any equity out on it. Yep. Right. I buy a property that is low maintenance and I, uh, you know, um, I look at a property as, uh, you know, like looking at, we've talked about this, like a, a window sticker in a car when it yep. says 36 miles per gallon. Okay. Yeah. Right. You know, on a, on a day like this, uh, driving across Saskatchewan downhill with a slight tailwind. And, you know, there's, uh, speed and hills and, uh, you know, weather that contribute to car. Well, that same thing in the real estate side is, you know, vacancy repairs and maintenance and your management costs. Yeah. And the more we can eliminate and mitigate those variables, the better our properties perform. That said, you know, I prefer the slow, steady route. There's no doubt I can buy properties that perform better on a monthly cash flow basis. And you know what, for those of you that have the time to take care of them, I'd recommend buying them because they will accelerate it even faster. But for me, the times I got kids in sports and I'm a busy, I'm a dad, I'm a, you know, and I got lots to take care of, as you can see. And I love taking care of this stuff. Yeah. I love driving my John Deere tractor around and yeah. mowing grass, you know, so it's, it's got to kind of compute to that. But the, the second step to that is I make a yearly payment every year. Yeah, I'm some uh, over and above. Over and above my yeah. payments. And you know what? Some years, uh, it's been a little skinnier, but I take cumulative cash flow, I stockpile it. Yep. And then what happens is I kind of run our portfolio like a condo manager would run a reserve fund study. I yep. kind of look a year ahead or five years ahead and say, okay, I'm going to need money here, here, and here. 
for whatever else, right? Maybe the neighbor uh, mentioned he wants to do a fence and I got to allocate $3,000 for my share. I set that money aside and whatever's left, I keep a reserve on top of that. And by what I, uh, a reserve, I would say three to six month operating cost is reasonable in my eyes, Mm -hmm. right? I keep that on hand. Anything else I put on pay down. Yep. And, and there's accelerate been, and accelerate and it helps people. It absolutely helps. I know, you know, some years I've only been able to do a 500 or a thousand, but I still do it. And it just decreases your amortization overall. And as we've mentioned before, the real benefit of owning real estate comes when you have the mortgage paid for, you still own the asset and away we go. And it's just music to my ears with the, with the wind chimes blowing through. So at the end of the day, I, I say this to, to many people is, you know, truly we're, we're only renting the, until pro- you actually own it and have it free and clear, you're actually only, you're a renter. You're renting the money from the bank and then you're in turn putting another renter in the place and hopefully the rent they pay you is greater than the rent you have to pay to the bank plus all the business expenses. And you're, you're truly just paying it down. You don't own it until you actually have it free and clear. True. But, you know, on the flip side to that, it's like, I'm, you know, we as investors have other people paying our mortgages down for us. So I, you know, I, I don't, um, it can't get much easier in my opinion. Now you got some stuff to manage with that. Yeah. You got to come up with down payment money. That's all part of the sequence, but you know, the Mm long-term benefit of having someone else pay down your mortgage. And you've been, and you have managed during, you know, arguably, um, downtime in the markets. Like down, like when I've had conversations with some people and they were saying that, man, cash flow has been really bad. I've had cash calls. I've had to do this, that, or the other. I've, I have to do that with my own portfolio, some of my older stuff. You've managed to do that during a really soft time in the marketplace that you've managed to actually accelerate the payment down. Yes. And that's 100% based upon because you haven't had to dump in money into maintenance. You shared some numbers with me where you were actually the black and white numbers when you were, because you still have some properties in your portfolio that are, you know, the 30 and 40 year old older ones, older yeah. ones yeah. and you have some brand new ones. Maybe just share the split of, you know, how many new versus how many old. And then you shared a, a maintenance number that just floored me with, and it was like, you're looking at your books for almost like a year and a half or two years almost. It's not even close for us. Yeah. The, you know, uh, the money that we save by owning new construction, uh, is it's not even comparable. And, uh, you, you know, we're talking ratios, uh, probably 50 to one mm-hmm. maintenance costs on this side versus this side. Right. And, uh, that's the reality of it though. When you're buying an older property, they take maintenance, uh, you know, and I'll contribute some of that too, is actually the tenant profile that you attract, right. You know, our older properties, uh, and some of them are older townhomes, 30, 40 year old townhomes. Uh, you know, no disrespect to the tenants. They have needs and, and, uh, budgets and stuff that they have to live within. Uh, you know, but that, you know, one step up of a tenant profile, uh, just, it seems to work better for us. Again, it's something that's probably you, you can't pinpoint on the individual, but it's worked better for us as an overall. Yeah. Because it's strategy. You eat your own cooking because it fits with your lifestyle. Right. You know, as a guy who's full-time in this business, you could, if you wanted to go out and get a big giant apartment building and been there, done that. <laughs> a couple, yeah. Yeah. A couple of those. You could do an entire project and do a big giant development and things like that, which you are doing a lot of those kind of things too on the side to make the money. But you're, you're choosing to keep your 
assets and the properties you hold as a nice slow and steady, eventually will get paid off. And then you can live off of that to that tune of $40,000 a month. Yeah. And I'm not saying, so that's kind of level one. That's mm-hmm. step one yep. in, uh, you know, the, the modern plan or the modern evolution of yep. what, you know, I know, you know, my, my family, I've got two children, mm-hmm. you know, I want to be able to provide, you know, for the people that I'm going to know in my life. And that probably equates to my kids and my grandkids and hopefully my great grandkids, if I can make that difference financially or start mm-hmm. of that asset base for them. But you know, th- that's step one. So once I get there, you know, we'll, we'll see. I have zero intention of, uh, slowing down is not the right word, but, uh, you know, removing myself from the business. I love it. Mm-hmm. It's easy for, I don't even think I work, to be honest. It doesn't even feel like I work. I yeah. mean, I, I absolutely love what I do. It's easy for me to get up, you know, in the morning and, and go, you know, deal hunting, deal hounding and, yeah. and deal with people. And, uh, I love it. So once I get to that point and I've got things paid for, you know, I know there's a big check mark and now I can reevaluate and move forward accordingly. Yeah. Right. Now I could test to that too. As I was sitting here setting up, Jason was on the phone. I know he's right in the middle of thought when he, when he starts pacing, he gets on the phone and he's pacing and he's talking deals and, and all that, and, and that wonderful stuff. You're, you're, you're actively involved in deals all the time, whether it's your own or whether it's other people's things like that. And that's what keeps you, keeps you alive in, uh, and keeps you, keeps you inspired to keep going. Right. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, it's all comes back to home, doesn't it? Well, it all comes back to home and it, it comes down really Russ, like the money, all the money aside, because it's, 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 it's what you like to do. It's what you want to do. It's what you're good at. Mm-hmm. I think every one of us have a God given talent mm-hmm. that resides inside of us that sometimes you don't figure it out right away. I know I didn't. Mm-hmm. Right. I chased several shiny things before I was finally come full circle and I know what I love to do and I, and I'm really good at it. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's hard for some people to go bang on a door and talk to someone you don't know. You know what? It's quite easy for me to talk to a stranger, uh, and, and talk and, you know, hunt deals and negotiate and. So this plan and, and you're, so where are you in this whole plan that you, you identified with the 15, you know, potentially free and clear in 15 years this is what yeah. we've coined it a little bit. Yeah. Um, you're five years in, aren't you right now of, of that or is it a little, uh, no, we're, so? we're six, seven years in. So we're yeah. about halfway. Halfway. That. Yeah. And are you right on target to potentially having that portfolio free and clear? I would say we're a little ahead of schedule. A little ahead of schedule. A little ahead of schedule. And that's basically, uh, nothing other than doing good in business and being able to contribute extra. Right. We haven't done anything out of the ordinary as far as, you know, maintaining the properties or the portfolios or mortgage principal reduction as far as the payments themselves. Mm -hmm. It's just, we've been fortunate enough to make a little extra money that we've been able to chisel down a little bit faster. Right. And then, so you do a little bit of a snowball too. You you pay off one property, don't you? And then you start taking them, all the surplus cash flow from that, and then you take it to the next one and you target, don't you target the highest interest rate ones or? It just makes sense. I think if any, uh, you know, uh, you watched any of the Susie Orman shows or anything like that, it's no different with this. You, you, you tackle the, the, the most ugly one first, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, as far as interest rate wise. And, you know, it just, it, you're right. It, it turns into a snowball effect. How do you analyze this? How do you keep track of, if you're on, do you have a scorecard or spreadsheet or how do you, how do you keep track of this where they're, if you know you're on target or path or, or do you just know, is it all up here or do you actually have some systems and processes and all that kind of stuff? Uh, all of the above, Yeah, you know, uh, of course we keep, uh, I keep 
a spreadsheet myself. Yeah. Yeah. To me, that's just me. I'm the quick glance guy. I don't, you know, uh, study the shit out of stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's got to make sense. And I sit, I like the glance and, you know, I make decisions very quickly based on that. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've got things in a, in an internal system as far as, you know, bookkeeping and, uh, you know, even, uh, some analytic keeping of, you know, uh, records of rents and all that sort of stuff. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's got to be accessible mm-hmm. and it's got to make sense. And I think, you know, if you talk to, you know, my wife, for example, she looks at things completely. She thinks my spreadsheet is old fashioned and archaic and yeah. dinosaur, a dinosaur, <laughs> you know, it's, you know, but, uh, it works, yeah. right. It works. And, you know, here, uh, you know, competitive guy and there's the fire still in your belly. And, you know, as, as the leaves start coming down here, we, uh, you're, you're a hockey player from way back when, right? So played the Flin Flon Bombers and all that wonderful stuff. Don't, don't let this mild mannered, uh, cuddly teddy bear fool you. If you ever get a chance to, uh, yeah, that, that. <laughs> there's a many, uh, you know, sometimes you don't have to use the, the hands, but if they're ever there, you you were able to protect the family, protect the house. Yeah, buddy. I think my fighting days are long over. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm well, I'd like to say I'm turning into a lover, but I, 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 can't, I can't testify to that Tracy, either. Tracy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, okay. So the next round of questioning I, w- I want to do is, so you've been an entrepreneur essentially forever. You've, you've, have you ever had a job? You know what? When I was in school, I did. Yeah. When I was uh, still in high school, I, I had a job. I've never worked by the hour in mm-hmm. my life. Uh, you know, you're unemployable. I've, I've, yeah. <laughs> I am completely unemployable. Uh, I don't sit still well. Yeah. You know, I, I could never be cornered, I think, into an office environment where I'd have to sit still for eight hours a day. Where you couldn't drink a beer and wear shorts and well, go home when you need to come home. You but know, at the same time, you're, you're sometimes you're there till midnight. Yeah. On, on the flip side, it's, it's when it's go time, it's go time. Yeah. And I have that mentality. It's like a fire alarm. When it's go time, you, you, you know, and, and thankfully, you know, my family's understanding of that. And, you know, um, we've got that ability that, yeah, sometimes I got to work, uh, or have to work, uh, you know, on a weeknight or, uh, and sometimes I can, you know, spend a morning with my family. Yeah. It, it balances out. Yeah. Right? And when you, I know for a fact, when you, when you get away, you get away. That's, there's, there's, you know, if, if something's burning, maybe call me. Someone's bleeding, maybe, but when you get away, you get away. Right. Well, you know, if, if it can't wait a day or two or a week, it's, I'm, I'm probably not your guy. And, uh, I mean, uh, I think everyone has to do that, Russ. I think you need to recharge. Um, we've got a place that we like to go. Uh, you know, it's in Northern Saskatchewan where the fishing is fantastic and the water's crystal clear. And Uh, everything's golden. It's golden. (laughs) Yeah. It's in Saskatchewan, right? The bugs are about this big, but you know, there's no internet. There's no cell phone uh, service. So it just, completely forces a guy to unplug and, yeah. and, uh, enjoy life. Yeah. Right. So, so I'm going to take a round, round of questions that, um, cause there's a lot of people that might be wanting to do this real estate game full-time, mm-hmm. right. As full-time entrepreneur. And it's not as easy and as glamorous. It's not, it's not, you're making it rain every day and there's cash everywhere and you're not in front of your Lambos and, and, uh, and jet planes and all that kind of stuff. But what would be some of your, um, Biz, best business advice that you would offer to people in the realm that they have people that are focused and serious about real estate. What would be some of your best business advice you'd offer? Never take your foot off the throttle. 
I don't think you can lose more. This is not a business where you can lose momentum. Mm. So uh, if you, if you want to take a six month break, that's fine. You have to make sure you have the systems in place that things keep rolling while you're not there. Yeah. And that's the whole point of having a business is setting up the systems and the people and everything. So you can take a month off and, and, and things keep rolling probably better. I'm not there actually. Right. So <laughs> it's all good, but, uh, you know, and I, I think of that uh, and, and just being sure that it fits. Russ, that's a lesson that took me a long time to learn. And, you know, because I'd looked at the opportunity money-wise mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that's, that is super important, yeah. you know, but when you acquire that asset and I always tell people going and buying and again, finding the deal and, and negotiating, that's the fun part, mm-hmm. you know, you get a high off that. It's literally, and then yeah. someday all of a sudden you, you had clothes on it and someone hands you a set of keys and then that's where the rubber hits the road. What the hell now, all right? Now what? <laughs> exactly. So that's where, when that happens, you have to make sure that it fits with your lifestyle mm-hmm. and, and contribute to what you're ultimately going. And I think, you know, in closing on that point is before you get started, yep. know where you're going. Yeah. Right. I don't know how much more simple to say it is you have to have that target on the wall. Mm-hmm. and you do not take your eye off that target and you contribute to it some days this much, some days this much, mm-hmm. every day. It just, it just, that, that, well, that's that, the goal. Is that one of the reasons why, because you see the benefit and the value of it, is that one of the reasons why you put people through a fairly rigorous um, questionnaire program before they actually will, you know, go out and write an offer? Or you wanted to make sure that you're putting the right person into the right asset? Yeah. And, you know, on, on, uh, absolutely you, you need to understand what mm-hmm. they want and if you can help them or not. Yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, we do a lot of research and, uh, you know, a, a lot of effort and a lot of undivided attention to give people mm-hmm. to help them get what they want. And if I ask some questions that, you know, I guess seem offensive or not offensive, I'm just trying to make sure that, you know, maybe they're sincere. Yeah. And secondly, they know what they want. Yeah. You know, and I've seen all over, I've seen people come and sit across me and say, you know what, I want to buy 10 properties in three years time. And I have $3,000 to my name. Make make me a hero. Make me a hero. (laughs) You know, and I've also seen people that sat there and had uh, $500,000 literally cash and wanted to buy one property. Mm -hmm. But you know what, this guy over here actually did it this person over here, you know, had the money, had the means, everything, but they just either let people get in their head. They didn't have that clear plan Mm -hmm. and weren't able to pull the trigger on it. And Russ, that's the hardest step. You Mm -hmm. you and I have been there. The first step of working through buying a property, getting your, getting the tenants in there and just getting your books set up. Once you get to that, you know, you can start, you know, adding, I'm not going to say easily, but in control. Yeah. There's some, there's some heavy lifting up front. Like anything in life. Physically and emotionally, probably more than anything, right? But especially in the realm of new construction, once you do get ones under management and you get a good tenant profile and things start rolling, it does slow down a lot more and you're able to, to, quote unquote, sit back a little bit more, manage it a little bit more. Um, Back to the the conversation, you you use a a saying all the time and, and I don't know if I've ever asked you this question and, and I'd like to hear your perspective <laughs> okay. on it. Okay. So he doesn't know where this is going, no. but, but you have a, you have a saying that, uh, anytime you're going to make a decision, you always will say, I'm going to sleep on it. Let me sleep on that decision. 
what does that what does that mean to you when you say that kind of thing when you're making a, a very important decision? What does that mean for you? Good question. Yeah, I I, I use that a lot. Yeah. That is an absolute uh, requirement. Yep. That I sleep on a decision, and I literally sleep on it. Yeah. I come home, I forget about it, and I have a good rest. And I don't know how rust, but when I wake up in the morning, I got the old gut and heart feeling if it's the right or wrong thing to do. Yep. And I follow that for all intents and purposes. I mean, there's maybe situations where, you know, you draw more caution, you need to sleep on it again. But, mm -hmm. you know, if in business, you know, and, and you know, the world has gotten this information travel so fast nowadays. Yep. You know, and, you know, there's a lot of good deals out there. And a lot of times you have to react quickly. Mm -hmm. And I get it. But that's just not me. Yeah. If it can't wait overnight and let me sleep on it and make sure that when I wake up in the morning, I'm at ease mm -hmm. about it and it fits and I even want it more. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. A lot of times it's the opposite. I wake up and I'm like, you know what, this after sleeping on it, it and you know what, being completely truthful, mm -hmm. sometimes. No, please lie to me. Okay. No, all right. <laughs> Sometimes I say sleep on it, but yep. sometimes I lay awake in my bed mm -hmm. for probably two hours in the middle of the night, yep. staring at the ceiling, mm -hmm. thinking, yep. right? And you know what? I'm a little tired the next day. I shake it off, have a nap, whatever. But for whatever reason, that's when some very, very clear thoughts hit me. Yeah. And it took me a long time to realize that. And it's shitty on one sense because I'm tired the next day, yep. but I, and you know, this is a bad habit and I'm not saying everyone should do it, but you know, I, I keep a notepad beside my bed yeah. because if I can wake up and I can get those thoughts out of my head quickly, you know, uh, you know, and I've even got a little voice recorder that I just, yeah. you know, quickly use, uh, just to get that thought out of my head and then I can get back to sleep. But right. past that, you know, there's been many a night where I've laid awake two, three hours a night thinking right. about it. Right. But you also use, don't you also use how well you sleep? As when you're thinking about something, if you actually have a, a really good night's sleep, it's actually a sign too. 100%. Yeah. Yep. If you wake up the next day, if you've, you know, tossed and turned and wrestled, it is actually, there's, your intuition is telling you something about this as well. I think unknowingly, Russ, and I don't know how all that works in one's psychological brain, and I'm, you know, far from qualified to talk on that, but I know me, yeah. and I know when I have something underlying that's bothering me. Yeah. I don't sleep well. Yeah. You know? Now you, you, and this is something I, 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 I take from you and I'm still not, I'm not even close to being perfect with it. I'm, I'm probably still a little bit of a wimp when it comes to this. And, and that is, you know, if there's an issue and there's a problem, deal with it head on. Don't let it fester. Don't wait it out with some of these things. If there's something bothering you or something on your mind, you say it, right? Is that, did that come to you just, based upon who you are as a person or was that a, just something you learned over the years or did you get burned? How did something like that come to you? You're one of the best I know with this. Okay. Thank you for that. Uh, I think it just goes back to that last point. I know when something's bothering me, yeah. I don't sleep well. I feel it. I feel tight. You know, I don't, I, I don't, I'll tell you if Jason loses sleep or he, he it impacts his appetite, uh, you know, it's bothered you, right? Yeah. I, <laughs> hey man, I'll be, I don't, I'm not one to miss a meal. That's for sure. Right. But you know, I just don't like that feeling yeah. and I don't think you have to have it because I've seen, you know, so many circumstances, not only personal, you know, within our family and friends over the years and in business too, that, 
you know, dealing with it sometimes is, or sorry, not dealing with it yeah. is sometimes the worst thing you can do. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's anything in this world that we can't deal with, yeah. right? I've had to have some super tough conversations with people before, yeah. Yeah. you know, and, uh, you know, again, if you just, you know, lay the cards on the table and you look at it, you know, and get all your perspectives and, and you come up with a plan, there's nothing that we can't deal with, Russ. Yeah. Yeah, right? and I had somebody to just share something that was quite profound is every problem has a solution. And if you can't see the solution in the problem, you're the problem. Yeah. Right? If you really think about it, that's quite profound. And it's not because I just said it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it, it, it's, it's 100% true. Yeah. Uh, all right, so we're going to just reset the cameras one more time. After this, uh, in the next segment, um, we're going to have a conversation about resiliency about maybe some challenging times or some mistakes that we maybe have made a few things that we've, we've bumped up against. There's some people dealing with some things right now uh, out there. You were instrumental for me um, of dealing with something I've dealt with about you know, starting about two years ago. I'm about two, two years, two and a half years into a five-year plan of cleaning the things, uh, a few things up. Um, I'm going to talk, we're going to have a conversation about building that resiliency fixing some 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 challenges and then that's what we're going to talk about the next segment you good with that absolutely all right okay we'll be right back all right welcome back everybody here with my good friend jason matter um jay so obviously we're, we're gonna have a conversation about resiliency and some challenging some some challenging times and things like that we're here most of our properties are in alberta and uh you know, there's some people that are bumping up against a few things, right? Mm-hmm. It's funny. I can't go. I was just on a Facebook forum the other day and this one fellow is just jumping in and he was staring about, you know, portfolios upside down, over leveraged, built a big giant portfolio. And what do I do? Right. That's a, that's a real scenario. There's mm-hmm. a lot of people bumping up against mm-hmm. that. You've been very helpful to me about two, two and a half years ago, probably a little longer than that of getting something in place. You dealt with something like that probably about six, seven years ago, right? The first downturn yep. in the marketplace. 2008 and nine. 2008 and nine. Yeah. And a lot of people should have dealt with it in 2008 and nine, yeah. like myself, yeah. but uh, just kept it going and just didn't deal with it back then. Um, well, what's some of your advice? I know the advice you gave me. Well, what's some of the advice that you give to somebody if they're, they're bumping up against a little bit of a challenging portfolio at the moment and uh, those kind of things like that? Okay. Well, I think that is a very real circumstance for us. I to see it, uh, you know, a lot of the questions, uh, you know, a lot of it is probably, you know, still from that last downturn, right? Uh, people have buying real estate back in 06 and 07 at a, at a high and not being able to unload it. And, you know, the tenancy in the property itself gets in a situation where it costs money and you may or may not have the money and the ability to take care of it. Right. But I think, you know, kind of circling back on previous advices, you have to know where you're at. That's mm-hmm. step one in my mind, yeah. if I'm sitting there in that situation. Yeah. And you gave me, the advice you gave me was, and to tell yourself the truth. Like there was a lot of people that, that were, when you take a look at what the numbers were, we're, we're not fudging it, but you wanted to make it look better than it was. And that's one of the advice you said is tell the brutal truth about what it is. It is what it is. Don't, don't, don't sugarcoat it. Don't make it worse. Don't make it better. Just tell the best, tell what it is. That's the only way you're going to move past it, right? If you're not real with yourself and your partner and your family. Yeah. 
you know, because, you know, uh, as we all know, this will trickle into your family if you let it. Yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, the decisions that we make in real estate and everything we're doing, uh, you know, they have big consequence. They, there's big risk, there's big reward. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's up to you to know that. So yeah, step one is, is be real with yourself. And you know what? I, I think I, I, I keep hitting the mic here. So course. yeah. That's you just waking everybody up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you it's know, clear. <laughs> I had to fight through that myself, yeah. you know, because I was ashamed. I don't know how else to say it. I thought I, I let people down. It was only myself at that time that I'd let down. Yeah. But, you know, to have that conversation with my wife and saying, look, at, you know, we got to sell some stuff. We've really went hard in, you know, in the, in the, in the equity drunk times of 06, 07. Mm-hmm. We really, really leveraged and I'm very thankful I done that yeah. because, uh, you know, it, it got us out from underneath, which, you know, as we all know, the market did not improve and really has not improved. It's been almost a lost decade. And I, I, the waves, there was a little bit of a, a little dip and a little run in between and things like that, but it's been really almost a decade. Yep. Like some of those places we bought 10 years ago have not come back to where they were what we bought 10 years ago. Yeah. And it's real. It's real life. Guys, if you think your market only goes up in value and that's it, that's, I hope you never, ever, I'm going to look right here as close as I can. I hope you never, ever have to deal with it. But it's a reality. It's a reality. And I think owning properties through good times and bad times is a reality too. Yeah. You know, and I still own properties today that I paid more than what they're worth today. (laughs) I'm still paying them off. Yeah. Where I got caught is I got caught with renovation tabs of tenants Got to remember when a market downturns, it just doesn't downturn for you. It yeah. downturns for everyone. Right. And there's a ripple effect from that. So if tenants lose their job and they leave, you know, I was in a situation where I had tenants for three, four, five, six years. I bought properties with tenants in them. Yeah. And all of a sudden the downturn, tenants left. Yeah. And the, the tenants never leave the really good, pristine places that could be rented tomorrow. They never leave those ones, right? They never do. <laughs> and as you can imagine where I'm going with this, yeah. what happens in order to re-rent it, you have to throw five, 10, 15, 20, $25,000 at these things. Yeah. That's where I got caught, yeah. you know, and it just was a dead end street. And I, I, I cut my losses and I think that's probably something else that, you know, I, you know, you have to be prepared to walk away. Yeah. If you're not willing to walk away and stand your ground for something that you believe in, you're just willing to accept whatever someone's yeah. doling out at you. Yeah. And you, you have to be able to walk away and cut your losses and forget about it and move on. Yeah, sometimes it's, the first loss is the best loss to, and to move on from that sometimes, right? Well, it's the hardest lesson, I think. It's right. the hardest one to accept. Yes. Yeah. And, it, and it's some of it's just ego. That's really jumping in there as well. Um, you said some to me, and I, I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but you shared a quote with me that was a, kind of a, a little bit of a rallying cry for me whenever... When it was a little, when it was getting a little dark and, and things like that, and uh, I'm gonna, I'll help you with the quote because I remember it very well. But I wonder if you still remember that quote that you kind of that you share with me back in that time when you're helping me through. Hmm, I'm sure there was several uh, quotes. It had something to do with on the other side. That's right. Y- yeah. Your 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 destiny's on the other side. You're in preparation now for your destiny. Yeah. There's, right. there's something great waiting for you on the other side of this challenge and you just have to prove that you can pass it. You have to pass the test. Yes. Right. And I think that's my mother speaking on my shoulder right now of, uh, you know, that sometimes you get doled 
uh, out things in life that, you know, you look at them and you think, holy cow, how are you ever going to get this? But you got to understand, I guess, if, you know, it, it's a test. I don't know how else to say it. I guess I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a, not a religious guy, but I'm a faithful guy. And, uh, you know, understanding that, uh, perhaps our paths are laid out there for us already. And you, you're not, it, it's just, you know, the way I operate with my kids, I'm not going to give them more unless they can prove to me they're good with what they have, you know? Right. So yeah, I, I remember that. And I, I, I think I remember where I told that to you. Yeah. Uh, Tim Hortons. Tim Hortons parking lot in Northeast Edmonton. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's where we have our really high end meeting. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, and, and there were some tears and there was some really, you could see I was, you know, it was, you know, I was defeated. Right. And then your point earlier about don't take your foot off the gas, took my foot off the gas for, for quite a while, actually. And confidence is one of those things is it's tough to get back. It's easy to lose, tough to get back. Right. It's hard. Yeah. It's super hard. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, but and, look at you today, Russ. Well, yeah, if you look at me, it's just this yeah. specimen of, <laughs> of of oozing confidence. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually just I'm just getting started with yeah. getting into my my realm as well yeah. with things. But you're 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 real. Yeah, you are 100 percent real, and not that you weren't before. Mm-hmm. But there was this little thing off to the side yeah. that you know uh, you didn't deal with. Yeah, and and you talked about a, a thing of shame, like talking about feeling shame. I I 100 I man, I was. I had an ego attached to being the guy on stage and I'm the one teaching this is uh, the guy teaching this shouldn't go through this stuff. So I, I actually downplayed it. I hit it. I didn't tell anybody about it. And then until it gets to a point where I'm sitting there crying myself to sleep on a giant pillow yeah. at night because, you know, things are, things are not what they seem. Nope. Right. So. And I think now looking past that, and I remember one of the first public speaking events you did after that. Mm-hmm. You know, when you actually told your story and you stood up there and you told the audience everything real, what had transpired and you could hear a freaking pin drop in that room, you know, and I think people were welling up with tears in the room listening to it and you were very emotional with it. You did a great job holding yourself together, right? But, you know, I think people just, they, they didn't listen to you, Russ. They felt it off you completely, right? Well, it, and it's, it's. It's no different than most people were already probably feeling, and it's just being authentic to, and just being mindful of how most people were feeling. If you think you're going to go through life and not make a mistake, mm-hmm. you're probably not my type of people. Like, yeah. I mean, uh, well, I know, you're I know not cut out for real estate. You're not cut out for real estate either. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you just need to be real, and we're going to make mistakes. We're going to have hard times. We're going to have bad times. And you know what? At the end of the day, we'll sit around and have a beer and talk about it yeah. because it, this is what's most important, right? And now if you really think about it, so you dealt with yours, you know, probably about five or six years before I dealt with it. So it was really good to have you as a resource and I could come talk to it, you know, and I coined mine, the, the good, the bad, and the ugly plan. Sometimes you had, to, you had to actually sell a few good properties to free up enough money so you could actually get rid of some of the really ugly properties. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully after you're all said and done, you're left with a couple of places left over, yep. right? Um, what was the biggest benefit out of when you went through your challenging time and resiliency, you actually discovered entire new business models from there. What was the biggest benefit that you came out of going through all that entire process? I think anytime you're pushed back into a corner like that, you, you know, speaking of resiliency, you start thinking outside the box, you, you know, if you're complacent and things are going not well, you know, or if you're complacent and they are going well, you're not innovating. And I think that's probably the biggest lesson that happened to our benefit and lesson that I learned is A, 
real estate markets don't <laughs> swing overnight, right? <laughs> they, 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 they move in cycles, no doubt about it, but there are key indicators that you can absolutely watch and keep an eye out to know when the market is trending either way or still or whatever, right? And the second uh, thing I learned with that is, you know, don't get complacent, right? Mm-hmm. There's, there's always something better. The, the world's not sitting still. No one is sitting still. This is a very competitive environment. Yep. And you have to be, you know, as I alluded to earlier, not taking your foot off the throttle. That might mean actually, you know, going through the websites and looking at ads and ideas. That might mean looking at new video ideas. That mm-hmm. might, you know, there's, that's all encompassing. Don't take your foot off the throttle. You're always getting better. And, um, it's never going to quit. I think if, if you want to stop getting better and you're tired of it, you know, get out of the game. It's okay. That's okay too. Yeah. I've seen a lot of people that have really succeeded, you know, and you know, whether they lose their desire or ambition to do it, or they're just plain satisfied, it's okay to walk away too. Mm-hmm. If you got what you want. Congratulations. Yeah. Right? I hope I can feel that someday. Yeah. Right. Now, speaking of you, you mentioned a term called innovation and, and, um, I'm not saying you're the pioneer with this whole realm of new construction for rental properties and things like that, but I think you really have taken it up to the next level. It's interesting to see how many people are now talking about new construction properties. And you've been, you've been advocating these for better part of six, seven years now, right? Um, talk to me about the process that you came to realization, how you discovered the joys and benefits of owning a brand new construction property. It happened by accident. It yeah, literally, like most things in life, <laughs> it literally happened by accident. Yeah. Uh, if you remember back in 2003, mm-hmm. uh, I had bought some lots yep. in Fort Saskatchewan. Okay. Yes. And, uh, I bought eight duplex lots and, uh, started building duplexes. Mm-hmm. I didn't know, you know, I, I knew I wanted to, I didn't know how, and you know, we did. And, uh, the first two units, the, the idea to do it, by the way, just to clarify was to flip them. Mm-hmm. Right. I was going to build them. I looked at the profit yep. margin I could make. I was going to flip them. Well, <laughs> I, I couldn't sell them. <laughs> right. The first two come to fruition and I couldn't sell them. <laughs> and of course the bank wants their money every month. So yes, unfortunately that's <laughs> right. And this is where I actually bounced into a tenant situation with yep. new construction, which was fantastic, which was better than what I had because yep. at that point in time I had some older suited properties you know, some, you know, a, a couple small multifamily buildings and, mm-hmm. you know, I was chasing the, the cash flow perspective over the pro forma. Yeah. And then what happened is I had the tenants and the property for a year and two, yeah. and, and these people are still with me. It's like, yeah. wow. And you're looking at the numbers and the black and white truth about the ownership experience. That's right. Yeah. And it just made sense. My repairs and maintenance just like... <laughs> Was literally nothing. That's a technical term for good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did nothing, you know. And uh, the the tenants were still with me. Yeah. So going back to those three variables that we originally talked about, repairs yeah. and maintenance, vacancy, and management costs, yeah. all three of them were literally non-existent. non-existent. Yeah. And that cash flow, you know, computed into mortgage principal pay down. Yeah. Right? And then you actually then took it even another step forward into how you like to design and the materials you use and cause, cause quite frankly, you can actually put way too much into materials and way over renovate it and build it and stuff like that. Or you can kind of find the sweet spot of things. And you've been through seven years of kind of fine tuning the, the spec, if you will, 
Talk about some of the things that you've learned along the way about the proper spec to have into a, a good brand new construction rental property. Well, even that's 2003 and four. So that's like scraping like 13, 14 yeah, years ago, right. right? Of of the new construction. And then what happens over a time period is you realize just by experience yeah. of what tenants like, what they don't like, what the sweet spot is, you know, uh, of having three bedrooms, two and a half bath, mm-hmm. upper floor laundry facilities, mm-hmm. you know, th- that means a lot to the mom that's going to be renting the property for her family, Mm -hmm. right? And, uh, you know, getting into the specifications, it was just literally probably analyzing the property and looking at it. Okay, I bought a new construction property that I made, but I made the decks out of treated lumber. I made the fence out of treated lumber. Mm -hmm. The front step was out of treated lumber that was painted. Mm -hmm. I had drop-down light fixtures. Uh, I didn't put washers in behind... uh, you know, uh, passage doors, just little things, right. Yep. That become maintenance issues. Yeah. Right. And just like, okay, well, how can we make this better? How can we make this better? How can we, well, this tenant wants this, this tenant wants this, you know, and then it's just, you know, come in full circle now to where, you know, we can design this stuff from scratch and it not only makes sense from a tenancy, but they're really easy to own and there's not a lot of maintenance to them. Yeah. So example, composite decking material, aluminum railing, you know, recessed pot lights, just yeah. things that one probably wouldn't think of walking through a property until your tenant, you know, uh, knocks out the light fixture or, yeah. you know. And, and the time to do all that is actually really at design phase and at pre-build as opposed to after the fact type of stuff. It's amazing. And, you know, you talk about recessed pot lighting, you can go into places bought in the seventies and eighties and there's no lighting at all. And <laughs> You know, you got to have lamps and every, there's, there's very little lighting in there. There are a lot of properties as well. So it's just really just taking the feedback and looking at it from, uh, as an investor yourself of buying that, right? Well, specification wise, yes. So the investor side, what I just talked about is actually owning the property, yeah. right? And then, you know, on the front side of it, the acquisition side, there's a happy medium between maximum rent and overbuilding it, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. And you have to find, uh, you know, the sweet spot of, uh, what you can get the most rent for Mm -hmm. and build it the most efficiently. Yeah. Not, not cheap isn't the right word. It's efficient. And there's a size that goes with that and a floor plan and a lot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you've just, uh, you know, you've just almost got it down to like a, a science now about, about the, when you go and you pick out, you like to see the, the, a certain lot size, a certain floor plan, and would you actually work with builders? You essentially say, here's the floor plan, here's the design. These are investment grade properties that I want you to build. And share some of those insights that you have. Like, I know when you were telling me about, you know, here in Edmonton, the, the, uh, a lot is determined by the, the frontage of the, of, the, of the property, right? And you only like a certain pocket size. And now you're just like, when you get going, I go, man, I just like, my eyes glaze over. It's like I've had too many, uh, too many Bud Light or something. Yeah. Well, that can happen too. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? It, it again boils down to getting that maximum rent. So I know even taking it one step further, I know the tenant profile that I absolutely yeah. love. Right. And that's a mom and dad, a small child or two. Dad works in the oil field or service industry, makes 120 to 150 a year. Mom's a stay at home mom and drives a two year old SUV. Right. And, uh, uh, you know, that's the tenant profile that I chase. I catch these people right before they engage on home ownership, right? And they would buy a home themselves and they tried, but they don't have 
uh, the 5% or a mom and dad to lend it to them, Mm -hmm. or B, that new three-quarter ton diesel truck sitting in the driveway, that darn payment's getting in the road for another three and a half years. So they end up renting something. Mm -hmm. That's the tenant profile. You know, so I know what I can get for rent from those people as far as a maximum rent of what they can afford. Yeah. Everything is reverse engineered from there. And just getting into the property details, it's a 1500 square foot, two-story house, you know, perhaps with a legal basement suite or perhaps a side-by-side duplex, three bedroom, two and a half bath, laundry facilities on the upper floor. In, in certain areas and in, in this hand-selected areas in, within the area and town and things like that too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so they have to be in areas that, that, you know, people want to be, that tenants want to be. So they're close to schools, they're close to recreation facilities, they're close to major shopping, coffee shops, right? Who doesn't like a Timmy's or a Starbucks close by, close to grocery stores, shoppers, drug mart, all that sort of stuff. And close to transportation. You've got to remember our tenant profile or my tenant profile. Most of them drive trucks. Mm. Most of them work, you know, in and around the area, they need to be close to transportation, which for the most part puts me around for those of you who are familiar with the Anthony Henday freeway, yeah. right? Now that, now I hope you guys are you really get how clear Jason is on his tenant profile. You, you start your purchase decision based upon who you want to rent, who yep. your customer is. Yeah. Then you, you know, it's, uh, it's what you buy, where you buy it, who you put in it. The three pillars of real estate. That's your, you know, I don't know if it's trademarked. You should have trademarked it, by the way, as I see a lot of people using that now, including myself, right? Yeah. But who you rent to is the most important of that. But then where you buy it and what you buy is actually dependent upon who you rent to. So if they all enter, they're like a Venn diagram where they all meet together. Step three is yeah. the most important and you can't do step three correctly unless you do steps one and two, right? Is yeah. buy the right property in the right neighborhood, right? Yeah. But you didn't, and I know for a fact, I didn't, when I first started, I didn't look at, I didn't even know who my tenant profile was. It was, is it cheap? And does it, cash flow on a pro forma basis, uh, which is kind of a BS number anyways, right? It's a snapshot. Yeah. You know, it's a snapshot, right? It's, it's not, uh, probably real long-term. Yeah. Right. So. So what are some of the, and we talked about this a little while ago, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see investors are making right now when they're coming in to, to, and you talk to investors all the time. You're probably having conversations every day with investors and helping them out with things. So with 2,200 transactions under your belt, you probably have, and times have changed massively. The Alberta is not the same as it was uh, a decade ago. Um, what are some of the big mistakes investors are making that you see coming through and how can they, how can they mitigate that, those mistakes? They're pro forma shopping, mm. if that makes sense. Uh, you know, if you're not an investor and you don't have the experience, it's just like when you're going to buy a commodity or an appliance or a car, you might be lining up specifications and horsepower and all that sort of stuff. You don't like the car, the appliance, you go and trade it in. It's not quite that easy with real estate, right? And real estate has other, uh, not variables, but goals tied to it of why you're buying it. You're not buying it to drive down the freeway and show off to your buddies, maybe, right? But I see a lot of people that look at properties out there that show a great cash flow on paper. Mm-hmm. But when we talked about getting the keys handed to you on yeah. closing day, it's a completely different story. Yeah. Right. And I see people buying properties without a proven track record. Right. So if you know this property or is a new development or it's in the city of Edmonton for, 
you know, possible approval, that's a good thing. That's innovation. That's mm-hmm. never going to mm-hmm. happen. But until you can actually run one of those through a process of buying it and leasing mm-hmm. it to a client, finding out what the profile is, who yeah. is it, and what are they going to pay for it, and how long are they going to stay, you know, I'll give you a case and example. The city of Edmonton is talking about introducing side-by-side duplexes with suites in them. Mm-hmm. Right now, I am not a fan of that. I might be. I'm going to try one, mm-hmm. right, and see how that works out. But you're also, you live here, and you're also going to manage it with your proven process of managing it too, right? Not everybody has 18 years of experience and also all the systems and process in place. Yeah. Someone could be, this could be their first transaction ever. Right. But my point is, yeah. is that if I show you a pro forma on this brand new property that mm-hmm. looks like $1,200 a month cash flow, mm-hmm. well, there's a big gap between $1,200 a month cash flow and getting the keys handed to you. What if you buy it and there's too much density? What happens if no one rents the basement suites? Mm-hmm. If no one rents your basement suites, you're going to be in a negative cash flow situation. Yeah. Right? And this is where you do the flip side to it. You maybe don't take a property that cash flows as good, but it just goes every month, every month. Remember, every time a tenant leaves, it costs you money. Yes. People don't think of that. That's your biggest cost is a tenant leave. You got to fix it up. Perhaps you got to clean it. You got to remarket it. You got to show it. Mm -hmm. You might have to sit on a vacant property for a month or two. Mm -hmm. Like there's substantial cost tied to it. You walked us through one of your side-by-sides that was the tenant had just left. How long were they there? They were, was it five years or was it just, it was five years. Five years. And it was immaculate. And, and, you know, people might say, well, you just got lucky. You got really good tenants. Well, the property that you had dictated the type of tenant and truly there was, what did you have to do to turn it over? Clean it. You had to clean it. Clean it. And we turned it over within a week. Within a week. uh, And uh, we literally uh, uh, had zero downtime uh, on it. Right. So during a time where people were really, are really been struggling to fill some vacancies, uh, what has been your issue? or what is, have you had issues with vacancies during some slow, some of the times? Uh, this last while, no, we haven't, honestly. We just uh, had another turnover in a, in a side-by-side duplex and uh, the tenants were moving out. The new tenants were moving in the next day. Mm-hmm. Now that does, that happens by design, I guess I can say somewhat, yeah. you know, you, you know, and we start showing our properties, uh, you know, a month or two in advance yeah. when we know a tenant's leaving. And the tenants are cooperative. They're a family, Russ. They're, they're, you know, they're not, they're not staff taking care of our assets. Like we literally get these people good Christmas presents every year. We keep in touch with them. We know when their kids' birthdays are. I mean, uh, it's, uh, along with that, there's a relationship and there's a mutual respect and they take care of the, you've seen how they take care of the properties. It's. Well, let's put it this way. They're, they're, they're in a half, you know, some cases, 400 half million dollar assets. Right. And they're paying you, your average rent is what, 1800 Probably 18, 19. 18, 19 yeah. is this for a rough number, two grand. So 20, 22, $24,000 a year. Yeah. That's a pretty good customer. That's a good customer. Right. Yeah. And you said earlier that, you know, from your dad to being in the service gas station and, and you learned a lot of lessons in the car washes that your dad had and the, and the, the gas stations. I remember the one story you, you shared with me. Oh, tell the story about when you would go to collect the coins from the, uh, from the, uh, from the car washes. Remember that? Oh, which one on, on top of the. No, in the back of the car when you had all the coins in the back. Oh, literally having, you know, five in, in those days it was quarters, right? Yeah. And, you know, literally having five gallon pails of quarters 
that would bring home and would roll up in a machine. Yeah. Right? And yeah. I was the kid when uh, growing up that I needed a new pair of blue jeans. My dad had flipped me four rolls of quarters to go down to the store and buy it. Like, Here, here's Jason down there. Here's the rolls of quarters. Yeah. Did you have to do the rolling yourself? I helped. Yeah, I helped. And then, you know, we got high tech and got a fancy machine for it. But but you would have learned a lot of customer service from having a bricks and mortar service business through with your dad. The things. I grew up, I, from my earliest memories, I grew up uh, pumping gas and washing windows and you know, washing car wash bays and bopping the floor in the laundromats. And that was my mom and dad's businesses was gas stations, car washes and laundromats. Yeah. Right? And you've taken that attitude to your, as being a property owner and a, and a landlord really is, is doing a lot of the treating the, the people coming through, coming, someone coming through for gas. How can I, can I check your oil? Can I look at, you know, can I wash your windshield? All those kind of things. You just treat the same, the exact same attitude. The customer's always right. Yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, the tenants, uh, are your customer too. Yeah. You know, and there's times Russ, where I, I grit and I say, you know what, you did it. Yeah. You know, I know you did it. Right. But, you know, I also want a good relationship with these people. And I want them, if there's repairs or maintenance, I do want them to call me. Mm -hmm. I don't want them not to handle it. Yep. If they did it or not, that's a completely different issue. But yep. my point is, as the owner and the guy that's taking care of that building envelope, I want it running efficiently. And if I know that there's a water leak that could cause future damage and get under flooring or whatever else, I want to nip it in the butt. I want yep. them to phone me right away. Yeah, and not, not knowing is worse than them actually being a pain in, you know, over telling you about properties, uh, issues, right? Deal with it. Yeah, you, you shared a really cool story and it's actually a cool story that has two threads. That one is the benefit of new construction and also the length you go to um, to make sure that the tenant is, well, it was one of the tenants that uh, is in Fort Saskatchewan, I believe, and they were uh, over above the garage and there was maybe a lack of in insulation on the bedroom there and they were complaining mm -hmm. it was cool. Mm -hmm. And uh, tell, that, tell that story about that. Well, it was a covered deck and yeah. the bedroom was above the covered deck and we, you know, they had a newborn baby and yeah. they were complaining that it was cold in that room. And, uh, you know, we had to take all the soffit down and re-insulate it mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, just make it right. Yeah. You know, but in the builder, there was a deficiency or something. It was a it? deficiency and we went back to the builder and, and they actually covered it, yeah. you know, so, uh, having that warranty aspect. Mm -hmm. and that service provider that you wouldn't otherwise have on any of my older stuff, yep. that happens in any of my older stuff. It's, yep. it's my tab. It's 3000 bucks out of your pocket. Right. Hip national bank. Out of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> out of, instead of having filet mignon, you're now having, you're now having a different cut of steak tonight. Pork chops. <laughs> pork chops. Yeah, pork chops. <laughs> Last segment here, Jay. Um, uh, but but here we're going to wrap this up shortly. But you know, truly, we could. I honestly think this is just a start of some things that we can talk about. And I also think that there's some 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 steaks going to be put on a grill here very soon too. And and I Jason cooks a mean a mean steak on the barbecue. So, um, Jason, so you've been there, done that. You've done a whole bunch of things. You're you've you've been an entrepreneur all your life. You. You're on your plan to get your portfolio free and clear. What's next for you? What's the next mountain that you are going to tackle? What's your next Stanley Cup that you're going to win? The next Stanley Cup, uh, you know what? I think is probably twofold. Mm -hmm. uh, 
I've got an eight-year-old boy who's going to be nine right away, and I've got a, a eleven-year-old daughter who are in sports. Who's going to be twenty? Who's going on twenty already? <laughs> Holy cow! Uh, but you know what? They're in competitive sports, and uh, you know that's probably going to consume probably a lot of my next five, six years mm-hmm. on one aspect. And the next aspect, uh, I've got the asset base. Uh, I feel that I'm getting to the point where I have the home front taken care of. Yep. Right. And all I need to do is stay course and be regiment and manage these properties and upgrade and move the equity into newer ones mm-hmm. and, and keep on, um, is to probably, uh, you know, in the, in the business world a little bit, I see a lot of inefficiencies in the real estate industry mm-hmm. and, uh, you know what, I see a lot of people with mortgage rule changes with the economic downturn. I see a lot of people that are not able to get into homes. And I think one of the, you know, challenges that, you know, I am going to uh, take upon is to try and help Albertans get into new homes. And we've got some ideas and some business planning behind that. So to answer your question, there's a new business model on the horizon. And, uh, you know, whether that's the Stanley Cup or not remains to be seen, but it's, you know, again, that fire is burning in the belly and, it's just not time to relax yet. Like I said, I can't sit still well. And I don't know if that'll ever leave me, Russ. My family accepts me for who I am. And yeah. I never quit thinking, right? It's it's always... So the next phase is to make sure the kids turn out the way, you know, with good good guidance. You're one of the best dads I know. Uh, like, I just see the way, the way you... You know, you're, 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 you're firm but fair, right? Is the best way I could say, say it. You know, the kids don't... You know, if they're, they're out of line, they, they know you don't bubble wrap them. Like sometimes people bubble wrap the kids or their kids never do any wrong and things like that, but you're firm, but fair, but they're just such well-adjusted kids that are just fun to be around. So, but that's a direct, that's a direct reflection on you and Tracy on the way you guys bring up your kids. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. It's, and, uh, and I firmly believe that you are going to, you have some big plans and I know you're, you're being modest of sharing them, but you have some really big plans in the background of how you'd like to see some changes in the real estate industry, which maybe could be another conversation that we'll have. I hope so. Yeah. Uh, And also I've seen the business plan of both how you're going to, you know, potentially help Albertans get into, into, into properties, how you're going to, Essentially, you're going to own the property and you're going to provide the financing, in-house right. financing for people that are coming in. You know, if they come into a new home in a, into a show home environment and maybe they don't have all the money or, or just something's just missing for them to get in, you know, potentially you could be a financing option for them. Well, that's the plan. Yeah. And uh, like I say, it's, it's something that, again, just happened organically yep. and just because of where I'm positioned. Uh, in life in general, I see this not only from a tenant perspective, you know, from people renting our homes, yep. but I see it on the front lines, uh, you know, as a real estate agent, have a team of agents selling new homes too. Yep. It's, uh, it's something that needs to be addressed. And uh, you know what? I, uh, I'm up for the challenge. So yep. we'll see what happens with it, right? And the only reason why you're able to really even tackle that and do that is because you've got the fortress built around the home base and around the, you know, for lack of better terms, the home, the the portfolio of properties you built a fortress around it and got a moat around it and protect it. That's your first uh, the the portfolio of real estate you have, right? When that's free and clear, then there's gonna be, life will be there's a 
is it a completely different different outlook on life with the free and clear portfolio? Yep, I think so. As I alluded to right in the beginning of our discussion here today, that's the first check mark is to make sure that home front, you know, fortress, uh, whatever you want to call it, is taken care of, and yeah. uh, and we're getting close. Uh, you know, dad time is getting more valuable and more in demand, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I want to be there for. You know what? And I know all the moms and dads out there know this, but I, I think you have such a short time to make an impression on your child's life and actually get them because, you know, probably by the time they're 16 nowadays and they have their own steering papers, they're making decisions on their own. And yep. all I want to be able to do is teach my kids the flip side to every decision you make. There's risk, reward, consequence, you know, uh, pleasure to every decision you make. And sometimes you just need to sleep on it yep. or, you know what? sit back for the count of 10 and think about it before you do something. Yeah, and no different than how with your dad, how impacted your life of watching how he interacted with with people at the gas station and the car washes and just how he treated the employees and always having the fridge stocked and all those kind of things. Those impacted your life. And you're now doing the same with Jenna and Harry. And kids, they see these things, right? Even yeah. though they might not, they, they see this stuff. Yeah. And it's who you show up. It makes all the difference with, with, especially with the family, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. It's teaching awareness, right? You, uh, if I can relate it to sports, Mm -hmm. right. And relate it to hockey, my absolute favorite sport. Yep. You, 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 you know, you have to know what you're going to do with the puck before you get it. Yeah. You know, and, and time is everything. And as you get through life, those time to make decisions sometimes shrinks. Mm -hmm. Right. And I mean, it all happens, uh. I know having kids, my life just went and got busy in the last, you know, especially five, six years. And I think it's just natural progression of life or business or whatever anyone's in, you know. You just shared something with me and I never did get the full story. And I'm actually going to see if we can get it on camera. I'm not going to mean to put you on the spot, but you just shared that you, your mom and dad had a milestone anniversary. Yes. Years. So congratulations, Jack and Della, the most amazing people you'll ever meet in your life. Um, but you said there it, it it had a little bit of an impact on you going back and seeing that. What share some of the insights that you had of having that with your mom and dad and having them go through that process. What impact did that have on you? Well, I think just seeing the moment, yeah, you know, and uh, you know, recognizing the actual milestone that it actually is to be, you know, married for fifty years and still in love and mm-hmm. still wanting to be with uh, with each other and. Uh, I think just, you know, uh, getting right back down to basics, it just probably put in perspective to me what I actually want in life. And you know what? There's a lot of people out there that, yeah, I need $10 million or a hundred million, or I need a hundred doors. And, you know, that's great. I, I, you know. And you'll help them out. And I'll help it. I'll gladly help them out. (laughs) But it, it, again, you know, you've heard me say this before, Mm -hmm. you know, the time is the one thing that you don't get more of. And I've had some, you know, friends and family die suddenly in the last year on me. And it's just been a kind of a game changer for me to understand, you know, and whether you have money or not, it's completely irrelevant. When you die, they dig the hole, they kick you in it and, and kick dirt on top of you, not kick you in it, but place you in it and kick dirt on top of you, (laughs) you know, and it's all done. And I think going to that anniversary you know, and it's funny because, you know, everyone knows there's one gentleman that was in a room. Everyone knows he's the, the, the richest guy in the area by far. And you know what? He, uh, 
you know, you would, he wasn't dressed like a hobo, but I mean, he was just there having fun and no one thought any different. Mm -hmm. And I think it just, you know, put it in perspective for me that I know what ground central is. I know what, you know, that, that, that first check mark is. Mm -hmm. And to me, I know what I want to do with life, with Mm -hmm. my time, you know, and I love quadding. I love going fishing, you know, uh, I love antique tractors and, you know, I've got some hobbies and, you know, uh, anytime I get associated with that type of stuff, you know, it, it's just, I'm like a little kid in a candy yeah. shop again. You're a happy guy, eh, Jason? <laughs> I, don't, I hope you're okay if I share this. Jason sent me a picture. Oh, it was on Facebook. Your first Facebook video ever. I learned how to do a Facebook first post. First time yeah. ever with, with big fat meat hooks like this, yeah. pushing buttons is sometimes yeah. a, a thing. And uh, uh, Harry got his first antique tractor. And I couldn't tell if, if Junior was more excited or if, if Papa was more excited about the tractor <laughs> that they got. Yeah, it's just, you know, that old stuff in general, it's just yeah. so cool, right? Yeah. It's, uh, these were real big items back in the day, you yeah. know, and they're cool to, to, uh, to rejuvenate, yeah. right? Yeah, but uh, anyhow, that's what it boils down to us yeah. is, is that time, family, freedom of knowing how I want to spend my time and I know how much money I need to do that, you know, and God willing, I get blessed with a long, healthy life that Mm -hmm. I can do that because on this side, I'm getting prepared for that. I just need to get doing it now. Right. Yeah. Well, I could go on and on, but I do have one last question. I'm going to, I'm going to leave with here in a second, but before I get to that, I just wanted to, um, I just wanted to acknowledge, um, I just wanted to say thank you. Um, I am honored and I'm humbled to call you a friend. Um, the one thing I can say about you, Jay, is no matter what has happened, you will always have my back. And I know you're that way with most people in your life. If that's the best way I can describe you is you will always have people's backs. And, um, there's just something about you is, is that you're, you're just, you're, you're a good friend and you're got such a, a wisdom about you that I think we need to share a little bit more of you with more people. That's just my own personal opinion. And I'm, I'm truly touched to have you in my life. And I just want to honor. Likewise. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so final message, what do you want to leave? My guiding principles in my life is inspiration, encouragement, and come from a place of love. And I always like to leave you as a last, and you can have the last word typically here if you want. What kind of inspiration would you leave with people that are maybe feeling a little bit stuck or maybe they, they're wanting to pull the trigger and get into real estate? What would be some of your sagely advice that you'd like to leave with people here on, as we sign off? Great question. Uh, I think just to understand what you want and, you know, where real estate fits in your life, right? Because if, if you know what you want to do with your life, and that can be a car, that can be a boat, that can be an antique tractor, that can be, you know, yeah. a holiday, you know, it doesn't matter. But if you know, and you know when you need it, real estate is a tool and an asset that will provide that for you, right? And when you look and you understand that, we can kind of reverse engineer everything backwards with real estate. And it's so important, everyone, that you buy real estate that's going to match your lifestyle. I've seen it. You know, we're talking how many transactions and I've seen probably hundreds come back where it's been the opposite. They bought the wrong property and a year or two later, the husband and wife are fighting or they're, they've gone through a bad tenant situation and it's, it's having emotional, uh, strife on their, on their family situation. And this is not why we're doing this. This Mm -hmm. is, 
this contributes to what we're doing as a family. Yeah, it shouldn't. It shouldn't be your life. It should fund it. It should fund it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And probably the, the you know, uh, you know, one of your uh, sayings is shoot the puck, mm-hmm. right? You know, and 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 just be aware. You have to be aware, and you have to fly into every deal with your eyes wide open, and make sure you look at every deal for a term of ownership. And if that's five years, ten years, fifteen years. Make sure you look at that property for that time period when you're buying it. You know what? Realize if you're buying an older property, you might need $7,000 in four years for that roof, mm-hmm. right? You know, and and just, you know, plan ahead. Uh, don't be afraid to go for it, mm-hmm. right? Uh, because you know what? One thing I guess my dad has always taught me, no one's going to do it for you, Yeah. right? And, uh, you know, just be accepting of the of the path. We have good days, we have bad days, you know, and just understand that you need to grow and you need to pass the test, yeah. right? Every day above ground is a good day. Every day above ground is a good day, right? Yeah, couldn't, especially days like this. Yes, couldn't have said it better myself. So we got some steaks to put on the barbecue. Yes, indeed. Maybe another, sorry sorry for saying, we maybe have another beer to crack here or, or two. Or two. Or yeah. two. Yeah. So Jason, thank, thank you. you. Yeah, thank you very thank much. You. Yeah. All right, guys, stay tuned for the next interview. It's my good friend, Jason Matter. Thanks, everyone. Bye for now. Yeah. So, what did you think about the, the four episodes I chose to, you know, dip into the uh, tickle trunk of the archives to bring some inspiring message messages for you during this Christmas and New Year's time? Now, this will make no sense to you if you're listening to it in the middle of July, but these were launched uh, the, the week just prior to Christmas and the week between Christmas and New Year's on the 2023 season and the four episodes that were um, being replayed here were unedited other than being remastered, resounded. um, And I think they turned out fantastic. So gang, before I do sign off, there is a lot of um, crazy things that are happening in the marketplace around this time. Truly the only way you can fail in this game of real estate, personal development, entrepreneurship, the really the only way you can fail is if you quit. And we have a lot more information and a lot more inspiring episodes coming out into the new year. I have my famous, you know, maybe famous to me, maybe not famous for every one of you, but I do each year, I do a recap of the previous year. And I entitle, I call it the good, the bad, and the ugly, where I take a look at the past 12 months, what has happened, what's been good, what's been bad, and what's been the downright ugly. That's coming out. I have some amazing, inspiring um, stories to share with you, some amazing, inspiring guests, some high-profile authors and influencers and experts in the space. And at the same time, there's some incredible opportunities that are out there right now. You know, you might not be feeling it in your marketplace, but every marketplace is a little bit different. There are some markets that are going into their real estate winter, and there are some markets that are just full on into a just starting of a real estate spring in its cycle, and it is they're ramping up. So all that being said, two things I want to just share with you here at the end is I wanted to just say, keep going. You've got this. You are stronger than you believe. And then the last one I want to share with you is I wanted to just Thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your attention. Thank you for just being a wonderful guest in the house of this podcast. I have said this many times. I don't take it lightly that you spend all this time and energy to listen to this podcast. 
and I don't want to disappoint you. I want to deliver something of high quality, high value. And that's why we brought out these four episodes for you to enjoy. All right, guys. Hope you had yourself a wonderful Christmas, wonderful New Year. I don't know about you, but if we're listening to this in 2024, let's kick some butt. All right, gang? And remember, in every interaction you have with another person, always leave them feeling inspired, encouraged, and come from a place of love. Bye for now, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Russell Westcott Podcast. Before you run off, could you do us one final favor? Wherever you're listening to this episode, we encourage you to leave a review, share with your friends, and subscribe so you can receive the latest episode to keep you feeling inspired and encouraged for the entire week. Visit www.russellwestcott.com for more information, support resources, and upcoming speaking engagements near you. Bye for now. Bye for now.